0: good morning. (laughs) While that image is still fresh in your mind, um, I want to challenge you to ask a really big question this morning. And this question that I want you to ask begins with the two words, what if? What if? And this question that I want you to ask is one that uh, I want us to to dream, and I want us to wonder what, what is it that God might be dreaming of right now? What is it that um, He imagines that is too big for us to imagine? This question begins with what if? There was a, a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. I read just a few days ago that really, really grabbed me. And he said, If I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. When I read that, one of the things I thought about was this this video that we just saw. And so what if, what if you could do something seemingly small today, but do it in a great way? What if you could do something seemingly small in a great way that leads to a God-sized work at the end of this? I want you to think about there is a domino effect that could start through you and through our church, Um, a domino effect, a rippling wave that might begin in this room, but trust me, it was never intended to stop in this room. A rippling wave, a domino effect that goes out into our community, through our community, through the Bay Area, and to the uttermost parts of the world there is the possibility that seemingly small acts of kindness and service done with the right kind of heart, done in a great way, could start a movement. And that movement culminates in accomplishing what only God can do. Have you ever thought about being a part of a movement? I think it'd be interesting for your friends that uh, that don't regularly go to church, ask them if they would be um, interested in which would they rather do, come to church or be part of a movement? <laughs> I wonder what kind of response you would get. God intended for those to be one and the same. God is inviting us to be a part of a movement, what if? What if there was a small act of service or kindness that you could do, that leads to God doing some amazing things. Now, in the front of your bulletin is uh, is a picture like this, and this kind of this is a I think a, a real vivid picture for us about how God can and do great things. If we if we think of the great thing as that real big block at the end. And this is what God wants to do. And then we think of ourselves. I don't know if you can see it from where you are. This is a real, real tiny little domino there. God can do great things. When we're not able to do great things, he is able to do great things when we offer ourselves in small ways. And this is God's plan. It has been God's plan all along. In this series, Tim has been uh, mentioning to us this quote by John Maxwell, and that is that most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. And it's a picture of we, we really want to make great things happen, but the way we live our lives and our mindset goes the opposite direction of what we would like to see taking place in our life. So to tie this in with the, with the picture of the dominoes and the video that you just saw, um, Unfortunately, we have habits that tip us away from making an impact There might be something in us that um, That is contrary to the impact that we were placed on this earth to make So what gets us leaning in the right direction? What gets us leaning facing at least in the direction that God would have us to go? And the answer to that question is is stuff we've been talking about in the series You can go online and and, uh, bring yourself up to speed Not right now just hang on do that later. Um, but we, uh, we began by looking at priorities. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. And so as we arrange our lives around these God ordained priorities, um, is a very key part to uh, making sure that we are headed in the direction of making an impact. We invite God to renew our minds, to transform us, to change us from the inside out. And then we, um, we must surround ourselves with healthy people to be involved in healthy relationships and healthy community. So all these things are getting us faced in the right direction. They combine to line us up. Now, what I wanna do is I, I wanna draw some real simple parallels from the video that we just saw in this corresponding image. And specifically, I want you to visualize how God could use you and how God could use this church to start a movement a little domino like you and a little domino like me god uses to topple something bigger than we can imagine so the first and important point if you've ever set up a bunch of dominoes to to begin that chain reaction one of the things that's really important when you do that is proximity right? I mean, they got to be a certain distance from each other, not too far apart. If they're too far apart, you tip that first one and it's pretty disappointing, okay? And that's it. Proximity plays a really important part as you're doing that. Proximity has always played a key role in movements. Proximity has always played a key role in movements that changed families, that changed cities, that changed nations, the world. We cannot expect to impact the world by retreating from it. We cannot expect to impact the people around us by keeping them at a distance. Without contact, there will not be impact in someone's life. Impact always requires some degree of contact. Proximity was the way that God designed this to work all along. In fact, God's greatest work impacted the world because of proximity. I want you to think about this in the example of Jesus. God made contact with us through Jesus. God didn't want to just be God in heaven. He wanted to be Emmanuel, God with us, drawing close to us through the incarnation of his son. God sent his son and he literally made contact with the world around him, reaching out and touching people, even those who were deemed unworthy and untouchable. Jesus made direct contact with the hurting, the broken, the religious, the irreverent, the rich, and the poor, men, women, and children. Jesus created a movement, began a domino effect, but it was not what the world expected. See, they envisioned a Messiah who looked like the big block at the end of the picture. What they were expecting was this this great conquering king, this government toppler, um, this huge force that would be like a military leader and would topple the smaller dominoes of, of those pagan, pesky people that were surrounding them. They were looking for someone to stand high and above their enemies and then come down and crush them. Instead, a movement began with a small baby. Jesus began the same size as you and me, six-pound, seven-ounce baby little Jesus. We know who watches movies over here. If you've not seen the movie I'm talking about, you are a better Christian than I am, okay? But uh, he grew up with stepbrothers, uh, stepdad. He made a living with his hands. He lived in obscurity for most of his life. At the age of 30, Jesus began making direct contact with some other small dominoes that he pulled together really close. And his leadership style, well, his leadership style with those and others, it was not this dominating, intimidating presence. Instead, he washed their feet and he served them. He took the lowest position. Jesus, as a little domino, never preached to stadiums full of people. He never ruled from a throne, never lived in a castle. He never amassed great wealth. Rather than crushing enemies, he loved them. Rather than ignoring the poor, he fed them. Instead of avoiding the sick and the unholy, he touched them and healed them. His presence was welcoming, not intimidating. He didn't send distracting children away. He welcomed them and invited them to sit In his lap. And Jesus, we are told, only lived 33 years. 33 feels like a tragically early death. It's a really small domino life. But in that life, he made contact and he began a movement. The Jewish leaders of his day were looking for a Messiah who would do these overtly great things. Instead, they got a Savior who did small things in a great way. Jesus' movement impacted others. His movement impacted those people that were close to him in proximity. And that impact carried on to the people that were close to them, and it carried on to the people who were close to them, and it carried on, and it carried on. And to this day, what Jesus was doing still makes an impact in my life, and hopefully in your life today. Proximity, proximity is wasted or useless. If we're not willing to lean towards the needs and the pain, to lean towards people who are hurting and doubting, to lean towards people who need Jesus, God has put people in close proximity to you, not to irritate you, not to just build you up. He's put people in your life because he wants to do a work through you. He wants to impact those people through you and through me. So you may be asking, okay, I'm, I'm close to these people. I make contact with them, but what do, I, what do I do that actually makes an impact on their life? I mean, they, they know my name, I mean, we, we interact, but what is really going to make an impact that 's really going to change their life? Well, question for you: what initiated the domino effect in this video that we saw? You had to listen really closely at the beginning. It was a sound of what yeah, wind, air, something like that and i don 't know if that was just a sound effect and they actually used, maybe they used wind to get that going. Uh, Maybe somebody did breathe on it with morning breath and it just, that's what happened. Um, It could be the camera, you know, obviously wasn't on it at the time, but maybe somebody just reached out their hand, which is probably if you've ever sent a, a row of dominoes cascading, then you probably just tapped one with your hand. Well, I want us to Keep that in mind. And we're going to look at a passage in 2 Timothy 1, these two verses, verses 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, this is, a, this is a section of a brief letter that the apostle Paul wrote to his young son in the, in the faith, Timothy. He wrote to a young, small domino named Timothy. And we, we learn quite a bit in these two verses. Um, Timothy had a gift. Timothy had a gift that was given to him by God, God gifted Timothy for the purpose of continuing the movement that Jesus began. God gave Timothy a gift to continue the movement that Jesus began in Paul, that continued on in him, that would continue on, as Paul was encouraging to do, to those people that were closest to him, right around him. And it's like Paul is sort of saying to Timothy, hey, man, I look at you and I see that you have a real gift from God to create movement where you are. Let's make the most of that gift so that you can create a movement right there. Every Christian, the Bible tells us, everyone who invites Christ to be Lord of their life is given the person of Christ, and with him, he brings a gift for you. He gives himself fully to us, and he brings different gifts for different people so that we can impact the world around us. Every single Christ follower in this room, you have a gift. So What kind of gifts are we talking about here? Um, they're described, and there's never anywhere in the Bible an exhaustive list. But it's described in different ways where uh, people are given a gift from God in the way of helping or hosting, leading. Um, It could be through encouraging or teaching, showing mercy, administration, pulling together a team of people, giving, warning, exhorting, all of these things. God gives you a gift. Now, he doesn't give you all of those gifts, but he gives you an opportunity to express him to the world through that gift. Whatever that gift is that he's given you. Paul writes this to a group of Christians in Rome. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. As I was saying, what what might be your gift might not be the person next to you, their gift. Um, Peter also writes this in one of his letters. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, God's given you this grace... Not to just stand there and say, hey, look at this gift that I have. He gives you this gift so that you can lean forward, topple into, and begin to make an impact in the lives of people around you. And Paul writes uh, to the church in Corinth there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God gave you a gift to make a positive impact on the people around you. And God uses the entirety of your life, all of your life, even the things that you regret, to prepare you to make the greatest possible impact. So, how Does your gift make an impact that leads to a movement? How does this gift that seems so small make an impact that leads to a movement? Well, I want us to think back to the video. How did that movement get started? First of all, I want us to consider breath. Your gift, God breathed, could make an impact that leads to a movement that ripples through this world. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So this picture of fanning the flame, you know, like using billows to to increase the, the amount of oxygen and to um, to rekindle this flame, or maybe it's kind of if you've ever had a campfire that went out overnight and you get up and it's cold in the morning and you find a couple of those coals and you pull them together, And slow they begin to glow and then eventually catch fire. And it's kind of like Paul is saying to Timothy, you have been given a gift and it looks like maybe it's kind of grown cold. It looks like maybe, I don't know, if you just undervalued it or didn't think it was making an impact and you set it off to the side. I'm saying, let's fan this into flame. Let's breathe on this and see what could happen. The Spirit... The Holy Spirit is often referred to as breath or wind. In fact, if you were to translate it directly, the Spirit of God, it could be translated as the breath of God. God breathed life into Adam. And Adam not just came to life physically, but it animated his soul as he um, came fully alive. God's Spirit breathes life into you and I. We are sustained in our service by the on going breath of God. When you choose to follow Jesus, we're not talking about some one and done stamp it and you're good to go. You are basically saying, God, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I invite you to be a part of every breath that I take. And it's this recognition that your life will be at its fullest when he is breathing through you, and especially when you serve. Can you imagine going to your job and holding your breath the entire time? We wouldn't work very long. Some of you are like, hey, that might be a good way to get out of work tomorrow. (laughs) Um, When we serve, it would be silly. Let's say... Let's say you, um, you just have this tugging on your heart. You want to work with some cute little kids in kids' ministry. And so you go in there, and you're so excited to, to be around these kids for this, this one hour on a Sunday. And you get in there, and you are going to hold your breath the whole time when you do that. How, what kind of success would you have in that? Not good. I, you, the parents show up later, and, you know, they're fanning you. Uh, the, <laughs> we don't know what happened he's just, yeah so it would be silly to think you could serve those kids while holding your breath why don't we think it's just as absurd to think that we could serve without god's breath in us and through us why would we think that we could look at god and say thanks for bringing me here i got it i'll take it from here god's breath as he breathes into us is our sustaining force as we make impact, and that impact becomes a movement. God's presence, fully alive in us. God's presence allows us to walk into that room with those kids and make an impact. Now let's imagine instead of going in and holding your breath, Let's say before you walk in to serve those little kids, you say a prayer. God, thank you for the gifts that you have given me. Thank you for giving me a heart like Jesus who loves kids. And you walk in and you kind of continue this conversation with God as you begin to engage with these little kids. And as you are reading them a book, as you are teaching them a lesson, as you are giving them a hug and a smile and laughing with them the whole time, you're saying, God, I want to love these kids like Jesus did. I want you to let me know when I should engage in a, in a serious conversation, when I should just sit there and laugh and giggle with them. Lord, what is it that you would do? How would you love these kids? I want to love them the way you love them. And the whole time that you are in there, you're breathing. And you're fully alive. You are making an impact. You're not just serving and doing a job. You're making an impact. Grandma Sites, she was not my grandma. She was not anybody's grandma at church when I was growing up. But that's how we referred to her as Grandma Sites. She was my kindergarten Sunday school teacher. Grandma Sites. And one thing, one reason I really liked her was, to be honest with you, As a kindergartner, I was the same size as her. So I thought that was kind of fun. Kind of made me feel big as soon as I walked into class. But here it is all these years later, and I still remember her name. And not only that, I remember that she would give me a hug when I walked in. I remember the stories that she would tell us, the Bible stories, and the way I remember her telling them were with these little cardboard cutout things that stuck on a, a magic flannel board. If any of you remember that, Powerless Point or something like that. I don't know what it was called. And she, she loved us. She was someone who breathed in and out. And I'm telling you, she, not, she didn't just make contact with me. She impacted me. Who is God calling you to make contact with? A small thing, maybe. Just to do a small thing in a great way that turns that contact into impact and into a movement. Verse 7 of 2 Timothy 1 says, For the spirit God gave us, in other words, the, the breath. Of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self discipline so god 's breath god 's spirit gives us these three things god 's spirit gives us power as we serve, and we realize this power is not something that we muster up; it is a gift from God. it is a gift we receive this power is we 're also given love, and I think this is very important because love balances power without love power can become a pretty hard and harsh reality. Love is paired with power in a way that it keeps power in proper perspective and proportion. And you may also want to consider that love itself is the greatest power there is. There is no greater power on earth than love. So where does this self-discipline come in? Well, this is, this is what channels that power and that love for greatest impact. Self-discipline is necessary as we prioritize and we focus in the direction that God has called us to make an impact. He gives us what we need in this way. So before stepping in to serve in whatever way you do, breathe. And keep breathing. Because you never know when the smallest things that you do in a great way, what kind of impact they will have. You can show up here during the week and you can water plants and you will make an impact. Those of us in the office know the impact that someone made in our life just because he was faithful to come up here. He wasn't looking for any recognition but it's, it makes an impact, a small thing done in a great way. So we keep that going. So we have acts of service that we do, and God breathing through us, and we may not even recognize what's going on at the time. About um, not only breath, but I wonder how many movements God initiated just by the tap of his finger. I wonder what kind of domino effect could take place as God reaches out to put his hand on your life. And it's almost like God is, is, is just putting his hand on his life. He's, he's tapping you and saying, I, hey, um, I want to do something through you that blesses other people. This is, hey, right now, you are the person and this is the time and this is the place. Right now, I'm putting my hand on your life for this. We read again in 1 Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So this is for the Jews. This was a very common uh, picture. Um, It was kind of a sacred rite that they would use when praying for another person or bestowing divine blessings on them. And they weren't saying, hey, my hand is really going to make a difference here. They were saying, if God were here right now, he would be laying his hand on your life, blessing you, anointing you, setting you apart for this holy work. Psalm 80, verse 17, just happened to be a verse I was reading yesterday. And of course, it stood out with uh, knowing what I was talking about today. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. The laying on of hands refers to then what it still refers to today. To have God's hand on your life is to have God's anointing, God's blessing, God's power, God's provision. It's God's hand that I think initiates that movement. So I grew up in St. Louis, where, uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm just gonna just you and me now. We'll talk. Um, now I brought this bat because uh, I was told um, the offering was a little low today. Uh, no, I'm totally kidding. Um, now I grew up in St. Louis, and baseball is a really, really big deal in St. Louis. Now there are there are a handful of great baseball towns, and I would say San Francisco is is a pretty good one. Um, yeah, L. A. Not. Um, <laughs> just kidding, sort sort of. Um, So uh, St. Louis, it's kind of known as Cardinal Nation. Well, I grew up um, going to ball games, like when Lou Brock was playing and um, and some great, great players down through the ages. And anytime we got a chance to go to a game, we loved it. I mean, baseball was kind of king there. And so um, one of the, perhaps the greatest sporting event that I ever got to go to um, and I don't know that there will be a sporting event that could eclipse what I experienced this day. It was in the fall of 1985. It was game five of the National League Championship um, Series. This was for the pennant. The winner of this goes to the World Series. Uh, we're playing the Dodgers. Tom Niedenfuer is the, the closer for the Dodgers. And Ozzie Smith, who is like God with a small G in St. Louis. Okay, I mean he is like the man. It's just definitely a fan favorite. He gets up um, in the bottom of the ninth when it is tied, and you can tell where this story is going. He hits a home run over the right field fence, and we uh, we are were, we're seated along the third baseline. I mean, I just it was the perfect place to be to watch the arc of that ball as it cleared the fence, and just amazing. Uh, Jack Buck, the father of Joe Buck, was a radio announcer, and he is famous for saying, go crazy, folks, go crazy. That was his call for that. And I'm telling you, the stadium went crazy. I mean, it was insane. I was getting hugged by strange drunk men, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. It was just a bizarre, but I'm telling you, it was a, it was a moment that, uh, that I will never forget. In St. Louis, if you say, I was there, they're like, no way, you know? So uh, anyway, it's, it's just kind of one of those special special things that we think about. Can uh, can anybody tell me whose name is on this bat? Hint? I just talked about it. <laughs> Ozzie Smith. Ozzy Smith, yeah. This is this is a game used bat by Ozzie Smith. Now this is not the bat. Did he hit that home run with? But um, some uh, some friends of ours at my dad's church were real good friends with Ozzie, and I asked him if I could borrow a bat, and and then I I never gave it back, and uh, <laughs> that's that's really the truth. And uh, <laughs> but this is uh, it's a game used bat. You can still, especially on a humid day, you can still feel the sticky pine tar, and it just has that smell of Busch Stadium that is so familiar to anyone who grew up in St. Louis and uh, so this is this is no ordinary bat when you when you remember the hands that were on it when you think about the way this was swung by Ozzie Smith himself now like most any kid that uh, lives in St. Louis we probably uh, a million times pictured ourselves at home plate uh, with a crowded stadium. And we wondered, you know, I wonder if, if I got around on it just right, if I could drive it over the fence. And the more I think about it, the more I think, no, (laughs) pretty sure. It's not just swinging hard. I mean, you got to think bat speed and hand-eye coordination and, you got to get your hips turned around just at the right time. And you have to have those lightning quick reflexes to notice that that pitch is right there in the meaty part of the plate that is just begging to be sent over into the bleachers. All of that would combine in a way that I just don't really think, even with a special Ozzy Smith bat, I just really don't think I could do it. This is no ordinary bat when the right hands are on it. So this is a real simple parallel that I want to make. You are no ordinary person when God has his hand on your life. What could God do with his hand on your life? Truly powerful things happen, a domino effect. A movement begins when God puts his hand on your life. God uses people like you and me ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He empowers us to do things that quite honestly are far beyond us because his hand is laid over our hands. His hand is laid over our life to do these great things. Um, For those that are going to be serving communion, I want to go ahead and dismiss you now to get those trays ready. And Scott, you can make your way up to the piano and I want us to consider not only do we have a part in serving but that was why Jesus came Jesus came he said I did not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many he came to serve I believe that you are here because he wants you to continue to make an impact, to be a part of a God-sized movement. What is that that he is calling you to do? In what particular way is God tugging on your heart to serve? I'm gonna as we as we um, as the elements are passed. I'm gonna ask you to hold on to the bread and uh, to the yeah to the bread and the cup. And we'll all partake at the end. And as they are passing these elements, um, I'm gonna kind of share some scriptures with us um, that get us thinking about how Jesus served us and giving his life for us. So let me pray. And then they can begin to, uh, to pass the plates. Father, thank you for making contact with us. Thank you for this amazing display of love. Jesus serving us by giving up his life. No greater love has anyone than a man who lays down his life for his friends. Thank you for seeing us as your friends and for laying down your life for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, as these trays are being passed, let me share a few more thoughts with you. That passage that I was quoting in Mark 10, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and it goes on to say, and to give his life as a ransom for many. These elements that you are receiving represent his body and his blood ransomed, the ransom payment for you and for me. He did not come to be served, but to serve. So as you receive these elements, a couple of things to keep in mind. Before we take these together, um, gratitude. As you remember the way that Jesus served you by giving his life, express that with a heart of gratitude. And then I want to pose this question. How will you, like Jesus, give your life in service for others? As you accept the fact that he gave his life for you, how will you give your life in service for others? One of the ways that we know who God has called us to serve and to give our life for is by paying attention to our desires, to the deep longings of our soul, because he gave us those longings. Who are the hurting people that most tug on your heart? Is there a cause in this world that just breaks you to the core? That's a God-given ache. And he might be calling you to start doing Small things in great ways to add momentum to a movement that could topple whatever that is that's that's so burdensome to you. How about around here? Do you just, is there something in you that just wants to wrap your arms around everyone? You want everyone to feel welcome? What's a way that you could serve and start doing some small things in great ways so that people feel welcome here? Maybe you're just, you were passionate about this next generation coming to know Christ. And you want to know how you can play a part in this upcoming generation and how they could come to know the Lord in a new way. Maybe you ache for children with special needs. Maybe your heart aches for parents of children with special needs. Maybe it's for a single parent. Maybe it's for people that are going through times of grief and God has walked you through a painful death and he's saying, I want you to go back and I want you to make contact with some people that are grieving. How is it that you, like Jesus, could give your life in service for others? I I took communion in the first service. I will act (laughs) like I have them now. But Jesus gave his life for you. As you partake of that bread, he says, Remember me, this is my body. You can partake. Thank you. And on that same night when he was betrayed, he took the cup. And he said to his closest friends, those dominoes that he assembled right there around him, this is the new covenant of my blood, which is given for you. When you drink this, you do this in remembrance of me. This was the ransom paid. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. We're gonna sing a song. And let me pray, Father, thank you again. Lord, may our voice make contact with you as we sing. um, We are giving ourselves back to you and saying thank you for your great gift to us in Jesus' name.